This is Carton d'Imitation with Nancy Devitt Tremblay. There's been a lot of excitement this year about the book that supermodel Linda Evangelista and reclusive photography legend Stephen Meisel released into the world. Well, in this podcast, you'll meet the person who put that book together. Creative director Jason Zuzanski has many credits to his name. Many campaigns for perfumes and handbags, etc., that you've been seeing on billboards wherever you might be in the world for years. Before he went out on his own, Jason was art director for Stephen Meisel. Think iconic Italian Vogue covers, and yes, Jason was very much involved. We started our conversation talking about the book. How did you make all the choices? How did you come to make it? Well, (laughs) what was so crazy about... um, being able to edit this book was, um, I I got to go through every single picture that he had taken of Linda ever. It blows your mind to see uh, again and again and again, just quality, 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 quality. I mean, there were no stinkers at all. And how, how does that did even you choose? happen? So, you know what? I just sort of... Um, went with my instinct in terms of what I thought was a nice balance of um, the iconic moments that of course couldn't be left out. And then other other moments that people might remember and not necessarily images that were like, you know, ingrained in their brain until they saw it. They're like, oh, I remember this Vogue 1992. I'll never forget, you know. So I wanted to just... Um, capture as much of that as possible. And the idea that I came up with Stephen, we we talked about it like just the first time, like, you know, diving into the book was, it should just be image, 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 like every image different and unexpected. So not this sort of long drawn out kind of um, exploration of every shoot, but like every spread should be a surprise and every sort of pairing of images should sort of, you know, almost like, you know, um, uh, contrast each other a little bit. So you just really have this sense, which was my goal to have a real sense of um, how incredible their collaboration has been, you know, how every, like every moment was different and there were very few, like there weren't repeats, you know, it was just, just moment, just moment after moment, you know, and it, either a studio or outside or Paris on the street, just that how expansive their whole, you know, collaboration has been. That was kind of the goal. And then um, just a little bit more in terms of the the physical side of the book is we wanted it to be something that people use and refer to. So that meant right away we said no slip case because I really think that like, you know, and Stephen agreed and had the same uh, sort of feeling is that slip cases kind of keep the book a little more unused and untouchable because it's sort of subconsciously something that's in the way from you interacting with it. And then you tend to not interact with it because it's on the shelf in a slip case. Sure. We yeah. wanted a book that you keep out and that you flip through often so that also uh kind of helped inform the size of it because it couldn't be too big you didn't want it to be puny but you also didn't want it to be so obnoxiously huge and heavy that it became cumbersome 
something that you could uh, interact with easily. Well, so I, I do think that it inspired a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's great to hear. And um, it just in terms of picking the images, it was um, just a lot of um, sort of going through every single decade and just picking what were favorites to me. And then, of course, I would always meet with Stephen and Linda and we would um, sort of discuss what was being edited out and is that okay? And are you, you know, just a very nice discussion of, you know, what what's going to stay and what will go. It was, it just all happened very naturally, which was great. I'm just thinking how much your head must I have mean, been. <laughs> Well, when I first uh, was asked to be a part of the book, like my stomach dropped because I was like, I don't know if I can handle this. I didn't know. I thought like, it's going to be so overwhelming. And um, it ended up being this really, really lovely sort of, you know, almost year long experience, maybe even less, maybe even shorter because we oh. kind of had a really tight deadline. It's, it is the first book he's published, isn't it? It is. I mean, I think there are other books out there that feel a little bit less official. Like there's a, um, there's a book of all of his, um, sort of a soft cover book of all of his uh, Italian book covers. And then there's a, um, that was for an exhibition. And then there's a, like a Versace book of um, one specific campaign that says Stephen Mizell, and that's kind of a rare art book kind of thing. And then one more book that had to do with like, um, I think one of his exhibitions in Spain and yeah, uh, yeah. That kind of thing. But in terms of a book book, Mizell, this was the first. So how do you explain his reticence all of these years and and his decision to go for it now? I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I that's the thing, like everybody that has sort of been a, a part of Stephen's world, I think we're so like, um, I don't know, we respect him so much. You know, he's private, so I don't want to be the one to be like, you know, explaining what's in his head. But all we know is that um, he wasn't ready and then he was ready. So I was just happy to be a part of the whole process. I felt yeah. super, super, you know, honored and lucky. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So now to how my research on the Carton Tibitation project brought me to meet Jason. While working on my documentary the last couple of years about my time covering fashion in Paris for fashion television, I discovered that the program served as an education and maybe quite a comfort to a lot of teenagers in the 90s who've gone on to become very successful fashion executives now. Jason's one of them, so I really wanted to talk to him. One of the things I discovered while I was working on the film was this incredible, visceral um, loyalty and, and joy from this community that I just kept falling upon. Um, and, you know, when I was working for fashion television and when I thought back about it, I was very, um, honestly, I, I my first reflex was, oh my God, that was so sexist and I was a bad feminist and what was I doing? You know, I, I carried all that stuff. And... Mm. Um, 
what I really came to respect were the hidden impacts of the show and how liberatory it was. So let's start at the intersection of our stories. And I believe that you, when you were a teenager or when you were in college, were impacted by fashion television. So I'm wondering, um, can we talk about how the show impacted you and what teenage you was was like? Right. Well, um, the interesting thing about my sort of youth is, you know, I grew up in Chicago and my I didn't have a lot of exposure to things. So we um, we didn't have cable, which was really hard. And um, I didn't really get to uh, look at magazines or anything like that because it just wasn't really made available to me until I got a little bit further into high school. And then my I had this great aunt who was very stylish and a cousin, her daughter, who was uh, you know about 20 years older than me. And they started to show me just um, magazines and they always had such great style and their homes were always like beautifully decorated and I just soaked all of it up because I had never sort of been exposed to anything like that and really started just sort of like I said noticing everything and uh, asking them questions and just really kind of like um, trying to get more information and I'd be able to watch MTV when I went over there and just it was really like a big deal for me. So it wasn't until I went to college in 1994 that I actually was able to like pay for cable in my dorm room. And then all of a sudden I had, you know, exposure to all these things that I had never seen before. So fashion television was a huge part of that. And I was in Arizona, so I wasn't exactly in the center of, uh, you know, style for America. So... I was I was glued to the TV whenever like you know fashion television would come on and just blown away by um just everything the the backstage interviews and hearing the voices of the models and seeing their personalities and back then like you really they all had such great personalities like it was it was a part of the job it was so new when we just started putting microphones yeah. in their faces right. yeah and they and were fabulous PR people for like, and so young and so savvy. I, when I look right. back at the archive. Right. And um, funny and clever and, you know, uh, sort of giving intelligent, you know, answers to things and not only them, but seeing uh, stylists and hearing, you know, like I said, it's just a, a kid in 94 in Arizona, but I'm um, all of a sudden exposed to Polly Mellon and her, the drama of all her sort of answers and interviews. And I'll never forget that. And just the, uh, the passion she had. So it was, uh, it was really exciting for me. And, you know, prior to, um, you know, 94, my only real exposure to like that kind of thing was believe it or not, Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue. And it's it's always funny when I like tell this story because, you know, I think nowadays it's sort of like, you know, it doesn't maybe have the reputation it had back then. But, you know, being a kid in Chicago, two older brothers, they would buy Sports Illustrated. The swimsuit issue would come in. And all of a sudden I had this exposure to these gorgeous models, really good photography. Every year uh, behind the scenes would come on 
on uh, TV and I got to see what photo shoots were about. And woman Julie Campbell was actually like the sort of stylist, creative director, art director, or, you know, I don't know if she even had a title back then, but she sort of ran the show. And you would see her talking to the photographers and explaining what she wanted and then talking to the models and, you know, coaching them. And I was like, oh, well, that looks cool. I would love to do that. And I, I really yeah. fell in love with models and fashion photography then, because that was all I really got to see. I didn't get to see Vogue or anything like that really in high school. So I thought, oh, you know, I want to, um, maybe I want to be a photographer. So I spent a few years like, you know, torturing my uh, friends and, you know, taking pictures of them. And it was just always a disaster. Like, it was just not my thing. It didn't like click just the whole, you know, uh, the technical side of photography. It just, it didn't, it just wasn't happening. And then, I hate it, you know, by the way, um, <laughs> it's awful <laughs> lenses. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And I just, it just wasn't happening. But I knew even so going into the the later 90s, I just I was always so into fashion and I wasn't sure what my way in was going to be. But I through, you know, seeing fashion television and fantasizing about that whole world. When I was in Arizona, I realized, well, it wasn't going to happen there. So that was my first step was like, okay, I got to get back to Chicago and save some money and figure out how to get myself to New York. So that was, um, that was what started the whole sort of my fashion journey, but it, it all began with, you know, those, those videos. What were you studying in Arizona? Um, art, fine art. Okay. So, so you were you know, painting and gesturing yeah, in the direction. Yeah. yeah. I had a great time because it was my first sort of a uh, chance to be independent and Arizona's gorgeous. So you're walking to class and you're sitting in a big, you know, uh, auditorium listening to art history lectures. And then you're going next door and you're painting for three hours. Like I was, I loved it, but I realized, okay, I got to get serious about, you know, what I'm doing here and it's not going to happen in Arizona. And you knew that you wanted to be part of fashion, but not necessarily sure about what all the jobs there there were to do yeah. in fashion. Absolutely. But you saw a lot of people working backstage when you looked at the videos. There's exactly. people doing stuff. Right. And I think I knew somehow that I wanted to be a part of, you know, the sort of image side of things. Yeah. And I, you know, became more and more obsessed with magazines. So that was all sort of pushing me towards New York. I mean, I would, uh, I was be, I was a kid and I was in my parents' home and I would call these um, fashion magazines and these different publications. And I would just look, look at the name in the back of the magazine, who like the editor in chief was, or who, you know, I think I probably even called Julie Campbell from Sports Illustrated. And I, I didn't know any better. And I would somehow get their number and then I would get through and I would ask for them and, you know, they'd be like, can I ask what this is regarding? And I'd say, oh, I just wanted to um, ask some advice, you know, something like that. I have like That's all these memories of this, but, um, you know, I never was put through, but I just, I was obsessed, you know. You're obsessed. 
Yeah. And I even I even wanted to I tried to intern at a model agency in Arizona. I'm glad that didn't work out. It was too far away and um, tried to like intern at different publications in Chicago. And um, it was funny. I even uh, wanted to intern at Playboy, which was based out of Chicago. And I had this great teacher when I went back to Chicago. I went to Columbia College for a year. And I only focused on magazines. So I took art direction and I took um, uh, sort of design, magazine design classes and all these really like specific things that I was so thrilled even existed. And one of my teachers was an art director for Playboy and he gave us like a tour of the offices. And that was very exciting, you know, in 1996 or whenever it was. And I um, wanted to intern there and I showed him my pretty lousy book and he said that I wasn't ready yet. And I was like, oh, huh, okay. And um, I think it was good for me to hear. So I, uh, you know, kept at it. And after a while I was on my way to New York. So I didn't really like pursue Playboy anymore. Wow. So, I mean, you kind of have worn lots of different hats, I guess, but do you call yourself a creative director? And then my next question is, what the heck is one, really? Right. I know. I mean, I knew once it sort of clicked what I wanted to do. Um, I always went around saying I want to be an art director. I want to be an art director for a magazine or I want to just be an art director, art director, art director. And then the more I got not stylist. Art no, no, never stylist. But just I wanted to do what Julie Campbell from Sports Illustrated did. I wanted to be a part of creating images. And back then that was just art director, you know. But as things um, you know, fast forward many years, the idea of creative director uh has become more important. So I still feel like I always do the same thing because I um what I studied really uh, covers so many different areas. So I think like nowadays the model or whomever can say that they're a creative director, right? It's, there's no, there's no rules, but I feel like if you say you're an art director that um, involves a little bit more skill, you know, because I know all about typography and graphic design and editing and retouching and printing and, you know, all parts of like, you know, um, just publication in general and book design and all those things. So um, that might apply more to art direction, but creative direction is considered more, you know, prestigious. So I just kind of say I'm both, you know. Right. Okay. Like I said, anyone can be uh, anything nowadays. Well, let's go a little bit further back too. And how did you figure out how to get that to that spot? Right. Once you got to New York. (laughs) Right. Uh, Once I got to New York, I, um, my way into New York was through um, the FIT, the Fashion Institute of Technology, and I had saved up enough money to afford um, a year at FIT without having to, you know, uh, rely on my parents or anything. And it was like surprisingly affordable compared to like a Parsons or anything. And I remember even calling FIT and confirming that that was 
how much tuition was. So I was able to afford, uh, you know, um, the tuition and FIT plus the dorms, which were right on 27th and 7th. So I had a place to live in the heart of Manhattan and I was going to school, you know, sort of studying design. So it was just like the perfect way to introduce yourself to New York because I had never been. I didn't even have a spot in the dorms when I moved to New York. I had stayed at the Y for like a week or two until a spot opened. I don't know what I would have done if that spot hadn't opened, but it all worked out well. And I just sort of knew it would. Um, and then eventually I realized, okay, I'm not, my uh, trajectory doesn't necessarily involve me graduating. And, you know, I, I was kind of running out of money anyway. So I'm like, I got to get myself into a magazine somehow so that they know that I'm like, uh, that they can't live without me. Right. So um, I had this great counselor and she uh, brought me to a talk that Visionaire, the publication was giving and I was blown away. And at the end, I went up to the editor and showed him like, you know, my book that I brought with. And, you know, I said I wanted to intern. That turned into an intern internship pretty quickly, which was right around when school finished for the year. And then uh, after about a month, it turned into a job in the art department. And I was like, you know, so fortunate to be a part of that team because it was very small. And just in my four years there, we, uh, you know, worked on the design of Visionaire. We worked on V Magazine. I got to art direct V Man. Stephen Gann, the, um, the editor-in-chief, um, did a ton of advertising. So I got to see what went into creating these great advertisements, like for Valentino, shot by Mario Testino, or... Um, Dior shot by Avedon, like, you know, a Dior own, like, and seeing the, the Avedon prints come in and learning how to make that a layout and all these things. I mean, you, you couldn't learn it in school. It was just, it was all there. And then Carl Lagerfeld would be walking in and, you know, Kareen Reutfeld and, um, wow. you know, wow. being around and then James Caliardos and Cecilia Dean and just on and on and on, like the whole, you know, crew. So I got you really learned a lot very quickly there. So um, you were ready to learn it all. Yeah. Yeah. And then eventually I started to realize I want to be a part of creating the pictures. So um, what happened was I started to like sort of think about, okay, what, how do I get, how do I get in with the photographer and what do I, what am I offering? Because I can't be a photo assistant. I'm, I don't even, you know, None of that makes sense to me. So um, someone there put me in touch with their friend, uh, Eric, who worked for Stephen Mizell. And, you know, um, basically I gave him a call and he was super nice. And what he did was he um, kind of like listened to what I was like looking for and kind of came up with a few ideas and said, maybe you should try look, calling Annie Leibovitz. I think she might be looking for someone. And, you know, he explained what he did, which is, you know, he worked alongside Mizell and helped him with like scanning Polaroids and anything he might need just to like help with the process of the uh, taking the picture or, you know, whatever happens afterward. And, um, 
he kept in touch with me. So over the course of just two weeks or so, he kept calling me and like checking in. Didn't anything happen with that? How's it going with that? And I kept thinking like, God, he's so nice. Like, what does he care? Like how things are going for me. But what it turns out was he was leaving his position and uh, wasn't sure how he was going, going to, you know, um, replace himself. You know, he didn't want to leave Stephen high and dry. And then I called right around the same time. So he called me um, after about two weeks and said, what would you think about applying for my position? And I was like, uh, and then the next thing I knew, I was, you know, taking a visionaire and got flown to LA and immediately went to a photo shoot. And I worked on two separate Italian Vogue shoots with Steven. And um, that was it. It turned into this incredible position where I worked alongside Steven for 13 years. And, you know, the job sort of started out one way where I was helping him with whatever he needed um, at the shoots and helping him with the prints after the fact and all that. But then um, I remember one of his assistants said to me, you know, Stephen's very collaborative. So don't, don't be afraid to like, you know, sort of jump right in. And I was like, oh, that's good to hear. And um, oh, but that must have taken nerve to actually start to do. Uh, I was just so excited. So sometimes I, I would like send him home, like, you know, you send him home with prints and things. So because he just always wanted to see what he did that day and, you know, rethink it, edit it, come back the next day with notes and all that. And I might throw in like some uh, some examples of like a shoot I was, I came up with. And, you know, probably in the beginning, he was like, I don't know what this is, but, you know, I did jump right in. And one of the really, really incredible um, parts of the job was Stephen had control over the design of all his Italian Vogue stories. So me being his in-house art director, I got to design every cover of Italian Vogue and every the um, story that we did, including the layout and the typography for the story and the typography for the cover. And sometimes like we'd even come, come up with the cover lines ourselves for the, you know, for the actual cover. And that's where I really, really, really just got to go crazy. And so I would just wow. come up with like just a million different lines and some simple, just wild and, um, he really, I think, you know, enjoyed sort of like exploring what we could do graphically together. And it became this great sort of um, collaborative relationship. And how, how um, old were you when you started with myself? Um, I guess I would say I'm prob I was probably about 28. Wow. Something like that. I think so. Cause I remember turning 30 and I was already spending a lot of time in LA um and then yeah we just we never wanted to repeat ourselves so every month was a new uh cover a new issue uh sometimes two covers and we would just always try to think what haven't we done and um that that really made it incredible and you know inspiring so you would be thinking about what clothes were being shown in various runways by designers you'd be thinking about which models faces were really interesting to 
people or to you guys. <laughs> the stylist would always sort of lead okay. the the direction in terms of the clothing and um, what their concept was and also what was kind of required by the magazine to shoot and all that. But in terms of the models, I mean, I was sitting next to like, you know, the godfather of all models. So I wasn't giving many suggestions because it was like, oh, like any, anything he said, it was like, that's such a great idea. Or he'd be like, I want to bring this person back, see if they're, you know, he would say to our, you know, producers, see if they're available or, you know, um, just how he would discover young faces and really like, you know, study them and give them a whole story in Italian. Like it was so exciting. So it, it, that was more, I was just like, you know, happy to be around. So then to, what, what and, is this ephemeral thing that you do? It's really right. hard to, oh, I, I'm yeah. asking because I don't think people always know what it is and it's something really oh, important. I know. It's the um, gel probably. Right. So back then when I was with Mizell, I was his in-house art director. So I think in terms of uh, art direction, what I did was I, you know, worked on uh, in no particular order. Like I worked on the typography for his uh, stories and did the layouts. That's a very art director kind of thing. Like you lay out the pictures um, for the publication and, you know, how they sit next to each other and white space and all that stuff. So that was a very sort of art director role. And I um, helped him with uh, retouching and any kind of retouching he needed. And we sort of learned how to really retouch on the computer together, which was incredible because, I mean, he has such an eye for beauty. Um, and then the prints, I oversaw all of the the prints from the uh, the retouchers and the, the retouching labs and, um, Art direction can be, okay, like we have this picture, but let's try it a lot warmer. Let's try it black and white. Let's let's crop into it and make it a headshot. Let's make it more grainy. That's another side of art direction. Um, a huge part of it was research, you know? So um, either helping prepare for a shoot and just coming up with concepts for pictures that we can, you know, try out or maybe being at a shoot and then, you know, sort of thinking, okay, like, what does this need, you know, and trying to be the one to like propose some things. And then sometimes, you know, I would maybe print out a picture or just explain an idea and it would really work. And that was just the most exciting thing. I mean, many times you were shot down, which was just like, like, funny and embarrassing and just I mean you just got to have like a thick skin and you got to just roll with it but like that was an intimidating part of it because it's tense and you're trying to like figure out what is this thing what can we do to you know make this image better so you might say what if she stands on her head she's not going to stand on her head you know but then another time you could be like what if she stood on her head yeah, try standing in your head. <laughs> Love it, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. But you just gotta like sort of, and I'm I'm sort of my like uh, natural disposition is a little bit uh, shy, so it was it was hard for me. But um, you know, but you, well, but all from my experience, but from my experiences of myself, 
you, you it probably was the right thing for you to be kind of low key and kind of shy and taking your time of it. I, I don't think yeah, he would have wanted gonna, you bouncing around and being aggressive and showing off. No, 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 that would not have worked out well. Like, you know, I was super appreciative of where I was. And I think like, you know, I said my natural disposition was to just sort of like, you know, kind of like a little keep things a little bit inward, but um, it well, because, you know, we worked together on the shoots and I was, I would help like edit or retouch or anything. So we had this very close relationship where I didn't need to be, you know, boisterous yeah. or loud. Yeah. Um, but when but, he wasn't so feeling sort it, of you could direction. tell, sorry, but when he wasn't feeling something, you could tell and knew that you needed to help oh, yeah. him somehow. I mean, he would say it, you know, that's the incredible thing about Stephen is he doesn't have to be the one to make something happen. He's like, he, he would say anyone, you know, and then, you know, someone might say, what about this? You know, like, and, you know, we'd work through it, but oftentimes it was Stephen who would sort of think of that one thing and then be like, okay. Now it's working. So that was so so exciting to be around because sometimes you'd be looking at something like, I have no idea how to like make this work. And then one little thing would be twisted and then it'd be like, oh, that's great. Wow. Um, so that's, that's sort of my experience with art direction in a nutshell. And then after I uh, went on my own, um, I became creative director, right? Which is sort of another thing. And um, it is, I guess the way I would describe it is you're, you're a little bit more in charge of the whole, the whole sort of world, or you're not, maybe not necessarily in charge, but you're help oversee it, right? So if a brand came to me, they would say, you know, we want to, we have this bag and we're trying to do a big promotion of it. And we know we, um, either we have no ideas for how to get it out there, or we know we want to work with this celebrity and uh, it has to be shot in Paris. And, and um, that's all we know. And then as a creative director, you work with them on deciding who can be the photographer. Uh, what is it exactly we are shooting? Like, what is the concept for the shoot? I know it's in Paris and it has to be in a studio, but, um, you know, what is the vibe we're going for? So I would maybe propose through mock-ups, you, you know, three concepts for a shoot, right? And then um, after... It, one of one idea is finally like you know decided on um you help with who's going to be the stylist and who's going to do the hair and makeup and what are the lighting references so that you really can come to the photographer and their team and um have all the sort of ingredients ready for them and you know i think before my time, I think things were a little bit more organic. I think a lot was left more to chance and like, let's see what we come up with and let's see. I know we're going to be on the beach, but let's see how things go. But nowadays, you know, I think things are, there's um, 
a lot less of that. So you really have to be able to show your client exactly what you're going for and um, try to, you know, get as close as possible to what you all agreed on. And maybe if you're lucky, which I try to do with my work is you can then push it a little further, either by giving them extra pictures or um, just a little something um, unexpected that they can use or not use, but like just to not only be stuck to those sort of um, original concepts, because things always happen that, you know, sometimes there's really nice accidents that happen or just things you weren't expecting. You know, if I'm working for a brand, once the shoot is over, I will oversee the um, the retouching and work with them on, you know, all of that. And then also um, just the different crops of the images and, you know, depending on the client, um, it's, it's, it's really shocking to, you know, sort of get into like how, how much these images are being used. So you have to really be a part of every single crop that this image will eventually be. Oh, uh, all the iterations, I guess, you know, shown. Yeah. So it's going to, there's a billboard in Japan and it's extremely short and uh, long. So how are we going to make our image fit in that? There's the bus stops in Paris and that's a specific crop. And then there's the magazines and then there's the billboards and then, you know, so all that sort of fits under creative direction, I think. That's, so that's fascinating. That's my, fascinating. Uh, and do you, sort of do you see that as, sorry, I'm sorry, but do, do you see that all of that is something that has evolved while you've been in the game? I think it has. I think it has. I think, uh, um, you know, if you, if you look at, the way things were done back in the 90s, the teams were a lot smaller. Now I think there's just more knowledge. There's so much more out there, but there's also just more um, needs, right? So um, uh, yeah, okay. the creative director really like a, a part of like helping the brand and the photographer like sort of come together and just take care of all those needs, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's different. That's It's so cool because you realize that you weren't a photographer and you're absolutely central to that whole process and, and but not doing that job. My goodness, now you have to see it all. Right. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to be a little bit um, sort of luxury and commercial, you know, quote unquote perfect, or do you want to be, you know, thinking about some of the younger photographers and how it's a lot more loose and free and uh, not about retouching. And you could shoot a campaign with your iPhone if you wanted to. So yeah, it does take some, like having a specific kind of point of view. I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Which I think I have. And I think I learned have, so much yeah. from my careers and just being a visionary and being with Stephen for so long. And I think I was able to develop my eye yeah. So I think yeah. that's what I bring to to my projects now. Can you define I, that, do you think? What your um, particular I mean, eye is? I think my particular eye is, uh, I like things to be graphic and I like them to be elevated. And I always like a little bit of a twist, something 
that maybe is added to the image that just throws it off a little. So that could come from the personality of the model or the way it's photographed, or, you know, maybe it's a, a slightly, you know, humorous element that, you know, catches your eye. Um, so it's sort of that balance between like um, luxury and charming. Ah, yeah. okay, you can do it. Yes, <laughs> yeah. you can define it. Oh my. Yeah. That's what I, I mean, at least strive for, you know, like yeah. it's it's this sort of um, hard to explain thing, but look back at old Bert Stern pictures and a lot of them were just the model on white, right? But they had something, it was the styling or it was the way the model was posing or it was an expression and um, it, maybe the hair was a little bit more, you know, wacky in a picture, but it was, there was always a, an element of um, chic and charm. Oh. That kind of always is what I'm going for as well. Indeed, charm, luxury, and a little wackiness. I hope you've been as inspired as I've been by Jason Duzanski. More info on his work in the liner notes. Feel free to support these podcasts by following or subscribing on your favorite platform. Meanwhile, you can find lots more information about my documentary by going to Carton d'Invitation on Instagram. If so inclined, you might also consider buying me a cup of coffee. There's a link for that in my bio. Thanks in advance for any support of my ongoing research and the production of this oral history library of the golden age of Paris fashion. This was the Carton d'Invitation podcast with Nancy Devitt Tremblay.